This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 183. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I'm also joined by Mr. Rob Beckman out of Ohio. Hi, Andy Riley. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great today. Help yourself. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> so uh, uh, Rob is an instructor in our network out there in uh, what, Cincinnati, Ohio area? Cincinnati, Ohio, and the Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, the tri-state region there around Cincinnati. Yeah, and you're a, you're a skilled and talented instructor as well as an NRA training counselor. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, pl- a pleasure to have you on the podcast with me here today. Uh, this is our usual weekly news version of the podcast that we do each week. So we've got a whole host of uh, interesting news stories to share with you today, uh, including some justified stories as is, is common uh, for us to share each week on the podcast. But first, I do want to mention that today's episode is made possible by sponsors such as Guardian Nation. Yes, you can see that there in the live Facebook feed on my hat. Uh, Guardian Nation gives you all, all sorts of great benefits, including access to special members-only videos and training, uh, monthly broadcasts that we that we do. Uh, we're still working on getting the December one set up. Oh, I don't know if it's going to happen. It's, these things are really challenging to set up, working out all the scheduling with everybody that we uh, that we try to bring on to those sessions but uh, also another sponsor today uh, and actually this is this this is a throwback to our last episode with Arik Levy from Firearms Nation and the Firearms Nation podcast but he also hosts an event called Shooters Summit which is going on right now and uh, he invited me on for Shooters Summit this year so what this is is a collection of training videos of interviews that he does together with some of the top instructors uh, in the industry. And my session goes live tomorrow. So Tuesday, what is that? December 19th, I think it is. So my session goes live tomorrow on Shooter Summit. You can view all of these videos for free on Shooter Summit, uh, either live when they go live each day or up to 48 hours after they are released. But if you want full, all access forever. You want to be able to access that content forever and ever and ever and ever. There is a small fee that that, uh, that you need to pay, but but the free access is, is incredible. Either way, go check it out at shooterssummit.com forward slash Riley. R-I-L-E-Y. Yeah, that's me. Shooterssummit.com forward slash Riley. And I'd uh, appreciate you checking that out and supporting my friend Arik. And that, and that started yesterday, and uh, they'll have tw- the 48-hour access until tomorrow evening. Right. That's right. So, yesterday, well, in fact, I can pull up on the – I forget. We're doing Facebook Live. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, check this out. This, this is cool stuff, guys. So I'm going to share my screen here if you're watching on Facebook Live, and uh, I'll go right to the Shooter Summit website here. And this is, this is what you'll see if you go to ShooterSummit.com forward slash Riley. And – Scroll down a little bit here, and you'll see all the great benefits and everything that you get just by registering for the free version of Shooter Summit. Um, and let's see here. We've got Brian Enos, who's the uh, keynote speaker. Keith Garcia, Andrew Branca. A lot of people are familiar with him from listening to him on the podcast. Anyway, you see lots of top, top people. And somehow and somewhere, there's little, little old me. <laughs> there's something the- there for everybody. Let's put it that way. That's true. 
uh, whether it's competition you're into, tactical training, whatever it is, there really is something for everybody here. And this is the Tuesday schedule, day three. And uh, so you'll see I come up here on Tuesday uh, if you want to go. But but trust me, you don't want to watch just because of me. <laughs> but here's the full schedule. Day five, Thursday. Day six, Friday. You got Rob Pincus in there, Mike Hughes. Day seven, uh, we got Mike Seeklander here wrapping it up on day seven. That'll be Sunday, December 28th. Or Saturday, excuse me. I was like, 24th is Sunday. <laughs> Saturday, December 23rd. <clears throat> anyway, awesome stuff. Hope you'll check that out. And we'll get back to uh, what we were actually doing here, which uh, first off, Rob, uh, you had a little training tip to share with us for today's episode. So yes. uh, let's hear it. It's uh, going to call it brain training. Um, early on when we first learn how to shoot a gun. We learn how to shoot it safely. We learn how to shoot paper, which is great. Once we advance past the shooting paper, that's when we need to start learning the advanced brain training, what I call it. Part of that is first learn how to avoid a situation. Every situation you avoid is a situation one. If you get into a situation, there's no absolute guarantee that you're going to come out of it unscathed. Uh, and uh, that's where we try to avoid them all the time. We also want to make sure we understand when it's okay to shoot. Um, when is it not? Um, you know, understanding the laws. Andrew Bronco was on um, a couple podcasts ago. And you really want to make sure you've got a good understanding before you start going along using your firearm and getting yourself into a lot of legal um, issues there. If you are not aware, get trained uh, from that standpoint. We also want to make sure that we're moving while we're shooting. Um, one of the things we do in our advanced classes is we go along and make sure not only can people hit the target, but as they're when you get into the advanced classes that you can also move while you're shooting. Um, it's very easy. Everybody knows to hit a stationary target. If you're going to be in a violent confrontation, you want to be able to move and make yourself a difficult target for the other person to shoot while you're shooting uh, at them. And then, of course, we want to make sure we know when to stop. Um, you know, we go along, we talk about, you know, is one shot enough? And it's the answer is, I don't know. You need to figure out when the, the proper time is to stop, and that is when the threat is uh, eliminated. You know, the person's down on the ground, the person's ran away, um, anything along those lines. Maybe the person just saw you draw and you ran away, you didn't ha even have to uh, shoot um, those times. But then also, uh, need to know what do you do after shooting or a, you know, close to shooting? You had to draw on somebody and they ran away. Um, you just don't put the gun back in your uh, holster and walk away. You need to go along, notify the police, making sure that you tell them what they need to know. But at the same time, as uh, Andrew Broncos talked about, not put yourself in legal jeopardy by telling them uh, too much and start running off at the mouth, telling them everything else that was going on that isn't pertinent for their immediate investigation. So that's what I kind of wrap up together in a lot of the advanced training that we do uh, called brain training. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, you really need to go through all these different scenarios. You got to play everything out. You've got to spend the time sorting this all out. And I, I just really think you got to do it ahead of time before you, you find yourself in that situation. I mean, if you're, if you're trying to figure or find your way through a situation in the moment, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, how yep. often do you and, and stories where people are involved in shootings and we, we read right there in the news story that the person involved is telling the cops everything. And, you know, like, well, this happened and that happened. And, and then I did this and then I did that. And it's like, whoa, you know, like you might want to just slow down there, buddy. Well, and when you think about the lane, you know, we all hear about the Tuller rule, 21 feet. 
if somebody's at 21 feet and they pull a knife on you, that's a deadly encounter. But if you sit there and wait a second to decide, is that person really coming to me? Is he really talking to me? Is he really going to get close enough to where I'm going to have to shoot before you ever do anything? Guess what? He's gone from 21 feet down to 10 feet. And that's when you start getting into very close quarters and uh, most likely a very deadly, deadly situation for both of you where you're not going to come out unscathed. Yeah, for sure. Good. Uh, you know, brain training, repetition, go through all this, these scenarios, get the training from quality instructors, uh, spend time on the range going through all this stuff repeatedly so that you get that drilled into your system. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right. So let's jump now into our first uh, news stories for today. And so I'm going to go over to, uh, this is a Detroit man who shot a suspected package thief after following him to a Dearborn Heights party store. Let me put this up on the screen here. Uh, This story got my attention for some I think it'll become obvious uh, to you, especially Rob, uh, uh, why it did. And so this is not a just. This is not intended to be a justified story, by the way. This is really like a. Let's use this as a learning or teaching moment. All right. So what do we have here? A Detroit homeowner shot a suspected package thief Friday outside a party store in Dearborn Heights. Police said the Detroit man got into his vehicle and followed a man to a party store at West Warren Avenue in Rockdale after he saw him steal a package from his porch. The suspected thief went into the store. When he came out, he was confronted by the homeowner who jumped out of his SUV and opened fire. The guy held him down in the street until police came. And when police came, he said, I have my CPL. And cops disarmed the guy and put him in handcuffs. And an ambulance took the kid who got shot, a witness said. Police said it's unclear if if the suspected thief also had a weapon. The shooter is in custody while police investigate to determine if he acted in self-defense or recklessly. Now, first, a caution. This is a very brief news story that doesn't give us a lot of details necessarily. I mean, there, there's some description here, but I mean, did it really happen just like that where this guy followed him down to the store, got out of his SUV and jumped out and just immediately opened fire? I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, but that's the way this makes it seem, right? So we're just going to go by the facts that we have in front of us here as is reported. And what what are, what are your thoughts on this story, Rob? Followed him. Um, he obviously wasn't in fear for his life if he was following him. Um, and then he laid laid in wait in his car uh, until he came out. Um, prosecutors probably looking at potentially uh, felonious assault, if not, you know, attempted murder uh, for this guy all over a package. Um, I get a lot of packages via Amazon and other carriers, um, but. I'm not going to go follow somebody to a store and put, and potentially assault them um, just to get the package back. And uh, this guy has got a lot of questions if the story is uh, what what's actually written. <laughs> right. You know, on one hand, I can kind of understand. You, you, you know, you, you witness a package of yours get, get stolen. You're frustrated. So, yeah, it's like... Well, shoot, I'm going to at least follow that guy and see if I can get a description and, you know, get a hold of, you know, of police and get a, get, get the description to them and see if we can't get police over, you know, and, and, and they can make the arrest or whatever. And maybe in the course of that, this guy emerges from the store and, and catches this, this, you know, homeowner off guard. And uh, suddenly this, this whole situation evolves into something greater. I, I don't know, but regardless, like <laughs> we got a, I think a problem here. Uh, because we're talking about a package and Mm -hmm. I don't know what was in that package, 
but it better have been really important, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And even then, it's still not right to shoot a guy over a package. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what exactly happened. I mean, it did mention, you know, it was unknown if the suspect had, or the, you know, the, the suspected package thief had a weapon on him. And it, you know, it's certainly plausible that the guy comes out of the store and you got the homeowner that's followed him there and the dude recognizes him or, you know, realizes what's going on and he draws a weapon. And so suddenly the, the homeowner, you know, does the same that that could totally happen. That could totally sort this all out. And we go, Oh, still is it wise to try to take the law into our own hands and go after a simple package? So it's I want you to think about not that. Not worth it. Not worth it. It really isn't. I mean, cause this, this, this dude's life, regardless of how this gets sorted out, his life has changed forever over a package over yeah. 20 bucks or a hundred bucks or even 200 bucks. doesn't matter. It's not really, it's not worth it. Although the thing I, I find very interesting about it, that they're still trying to decide what to charge the guy with, which makes me believe there had to be something else because it was as straightforward as the story sounds. Um, the prosecutor would be just, you know, prosecute him right away. There's not a whole lot of defense to that unless there's those uh, extenuating circumstances. Like you said, like he just ended up being at the same store or the guy came out and recognized him and started shooting both ways. Um, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's why I shared this story today because it's one of those things and going along with what your training tip was, Rob, as far as this, this brain training, uh, make sure i mean like i am thinking about this these kinds of scenarios all the time it's like well if this happened you know i would do this and then maybe mm-hmm. i'd do that you know and start like mapping out those those neuron connections in the brain so that right. you know you 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 you're not so much you know you're not trying to think as much on the feet but you're you're hopefully reacting in a way where you've already trained yourself to recognize cues recognize the correct cues and you know, understand what they are and what is a threat and what isn't a threat. And, oh, maybe I shouldn't follow this guy out the door and into the street and then shoot at him as he's driving away, you know, which we've seen those stories many times before, too. So, anyway. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, Matthew Marister and I had dinner uh, last year, and one of the first things we both did was look where the exit was when we walked in the restaurant, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, sure. And it's just going along and taking that extra step of saying, what would I do? If something happened, you know, I'm not there responsible for the restaurant. So I'm going to head for the exit as soon as I can. And the best exit most of the time is through the kitchen. Yep. So, Hey, those of you that are watching this live on Facebook, uh, what do you guys think of this story? Or do you have any other thoughts for us? You want to drop into the, into the comments, please do so on Facebook live, drop the comments for us. Uh, we'd love to take care of any questions you might have as well as we go through this episode today. Uh, any questions that we can answer? We hope to do that. And uh, also, if you'd like to, feel free to drop into the comments where you're from, where you're listening from. Uh, it's always fun to see where, where everybody's at. We got quite a quite a family of podcast listeners uh, that that has grown. So <clears throat> let's t- tune now to our next uh, news story here. I'll pull this up on the screen as well. And this is uh, Andrew Cuomo, governor of the state of New York. Uh, the story is being reported on uh, 13whaam.com. And it says here that he wants to remove, remove firearms from domestic abusers in New York. Uh, okay, just, just at a glance, it's like, okay, all right, yeah, that seems plausible. Don't we do that in most cases anyway? 
until you, until you dig in a little bit further, right? And what what he's really saying is he wants to re- immediately remove all guns from anyone. This is right down here I'm, as I'm sharing my screen. Anyone convicted of domestic violence crimes, including misdemeanors. He says his legislation would add measures aimed at keeping domestic violence perpetrators from obtaining firearms. Now, like I said, I'm not necessarily against this on the surface until I read, including misdemeanors. And this is where it starts getting a little bit tricky for me because I totally understand, you know, felony domestic violence, like that's already against the law, including federal law. You're convicted of, of felony mis- uh, domestic violence. You're, you're prohibited from having or owning or purchasing firearms. What do you think about extending that to misdemeanor level crimes? Yeah, that would, that would be a real shock for a lot of people because if you have an argument with your girlfriend in, in a parking lot, you could get charged with uh, a misdemeanor um, domestic violence. And, you know, misdemeanors mostly paid out by tickets. They don't really impact people's records. But obviously here, something like this would go through. All of a sudden, you could use your firearm rights for something that was just an argument and there wasn't anything serious about it. It's just you two got into a shoving match or different things like that. I yeah. mean, I'm not for anything with domestic violence, but at the same time, we've got to look at the uh, long-term impact on on the individual people. Right. So, I mean... Realize this, we're talking about the surrendering of Second Amendment All right. guaranteed rights. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're suggesting that that can be eliminated simply over a misdemeanor charge. Now, like, like you said, Rob, I'm with you. I'm not for any measure of domestic violence. Uh, I wish that never, that so, those sorts of things never happened to begin with. But we also have to look at the big picture here and, and realize, are we surrendering a major constitutional right over a misdemeanor charge? And that's that's pretty substantial and significant. That, that is very substantial. Um, when the f- federal law originally uh, went in 20 years ago, I remember there was quite a few police officers that had pleaded out a domestic violence charge, uh, basically was told, hey, you know, plead no contest, you pay the fine, move on, and everything will be fine. All of a sudden, when the feds passed the law, they had to turn in their badges because they were no longer allowed to do that, even though they might have pleaded guilty or no contest back in the 70s or 80s, well before it was ever considered. Um, and that's where you've got the unintended consequences, just like in this with the misdemeanor, where you could have some very unintended consequences of, uh, you know, not even a husband, a wife, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, you know, just casually, and all of a sudden they could lose a constitutional right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I think this is a pretty controversial move that Governor Cuomo's uh, pushing for. And by the way, we always expect with a far left-leaning anti-gunner like Andrew Cuomo to say something stupid. And he says that most of the worst mass shootings in the nation's history involved gunmen with a record of violence against women or threatening violence against women, including those committed this year at a country music concert in Las Vegas and inside a Texas church. Now, we still don't fully know or understand all the motives behind the Sutherland Springs, Texas shooting. We do know that uh, the church had some sort of family ties to that shooter's ex. 
Fields. Maybe it had some sort of target, you know, you know, intended target being his ex-wife or girlfriend or whatever. I think it was his ex-wife. The I'm a little confused though, saying that the Las Vegas shooting was targeting women though, Rob. It's politics and politics don't make sense. Um, you know, both both the shooters legally went through the background check system. Obviously in Sutherland they determined that the Air Force didn't properly uh record the uh the domestic violence there, but it just kind of shows how these things get all wrapped around. And even though it sounds great and everybody could get behind a law like this, you've got to ask your question, is it going to solve the problem or is it just, or is it just going to go along and, you know, give, give the politician something to claim that he did, but not impact or change the problem at all. Right. Yeah. Anyway, beautiful writing or whatever we call it here or speaking here from uh, Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> what you'd expect uh, from a politician, you know? I love it. Anyway, so yeah, let's move on now to a story and apparently it crashed on me, so I just had to reload it here. But uh, five years after Sandy Hook, U.S. gun control advocates switch strategy. This is kind of interesting. So we have, uh, what is it? Man- Moms demand action. Uh, we'll pull this up uh, also on the screen. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. Uh, that's the group uh, founded by uh, Shannon Watts. Uh, she started that, that group basically right after Sandy Hook happened. Now, that was a that was a bad situation. Terrible shooting. Uh, still makes me sick to my stomach thinking about uh, all those poor kids. I've got kids the same age. You know, so like I'm always in that position where it's like I I feel for you, and and we start these organizations that in you know they the desire is to do good and save lives and save these little kids. At least I think that's how it starts. But then they sound always, good. It, Mom yeah. demands actions. That you know that sounds like a good organization. Under the cover though, you go along and find out that they're not really about action. Besides, they're just against uh, guns as a whole and the yeah. elimination of them. That's under right. all circumstances. That's right. Uh, actually, hey, real quick. Uh, sorry, guys. I, I, I meant to check in on the Facebook comments there, but Mike says, uh, I think he said that's BS. That, you know, when we were talking about the misdemeanor domestic violence thing, you know, a story a moment ago about uh, Governor Cuomo. Alicia from Visalia, California says, love the podcast. Glad I finally caught a live show. Thanks for tuning in, Alicia. Glad to have you. Mike from uh, Brookfield, Ohio. Nice to have you hey, check in, Mike. Ohio. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Not too far from you. We got nope. Matthew Marister as well joining you in go. now. He says, looking good, guys. Uh, Mike commented as well. They dropped the ball on that. Not not us good folks. So now they want more firearm law. Yeah. That's that's how it always goes. Uh, you know, Jacob and I have talked about this on the podcast before where, you know, the slippery slope idea where whatever is proposed by the anti-gunners, it, it, we know it won't work. Because other gun control hasn't and doesn't work. And so when it doesn't work, they're just going to want more. Right? And I think they know that too. Andrew Cuomo, guarantee you, he knows that. We'll, we'll do this and we'll still have violence problems. And so then we'll just have to go further and further and further. And, and of course, so what we know is ultimately the long-term plan is to confiscate, outlaw, whatever, all firearms as much as possible. Well, the thing I, I like bringing up when people say, you know, if we had less firearms, we'd have less, you know, gun deaths, we'd have less um, uh, shootings, different things. And honestly, 
they're right. We we wouldn't we would have less simply because the availability of a gun would wouldn't be there. On the flip side of it, and you've seen this in Australia, you've seen this also in Great Britain too, that their violence violent crime doesn't go down. Yeah, you don't shoot people anymore. You 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 use knives, use baseball bats, you run them over with cars, large trucks. Yeah. Yep. And the question comes down to. Are we trying to address the crime situation or are we pushing our own agenda that we don't like guns and different things like that? Because guns in the United States have a long history and we formed the country that way. Um, we've protected our rights that way for a long time. Um, understand that and understand that just because you take one tool away doesn't mean that the people with ill intentions, the violent intentions are going to stop just because you took one tool away. They're just going to turn around and grab a pipe. They're going to grab a rock. So how are you going to outlaw all the rocks in the world? Right. It, hey, look at Paris, France, man. And uh, that terrible shooting that happened a few years ago where uh, you talk about gun control and these guys go in with fully automatic AK-47s. Some and of the, the police don't have guns. Yeah. And some <laughs> the of the police most... officers that were gunned down on the street because they were all they could say is stop. We need to write you a ticket because you got an unregistered gun. Right. <laughs> You're talking about some of the most controlled, you know, regulated uh, firearms in the world and they're still able to walk into a concert venue in Paris, France and do what they did there. But regardless, we, we turn now to Sandy hook, Shannon Watts founds uh, moms demand action for gun sense in America. And so they've been pushing obviously on legislators to pass more gun control laws. And that's not really working because one, the people don't really want it. Right. Uh, we've seen that again and again and again. Even though you 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 occasionally see these polls that say Americans now want more gun, gun control, I I don't buy it because I think what you really see at the heart of it, uh, I think when you see true honest polling, that most Americans under they they get it. We don't see students showing up in our classes more and more now, uh, saying you know what 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 they're showing up saying is, well this really bad thing happened in Las Vegas or Sutherland. Springs, Texas, or in Paris, France, or San Bernardino, California, or whatever. And I, I, I've got to get training. I've got to take my life into my own hands, take responsibility for myself. And that's they, they come to class to, to get that training to, to make, make it so that they are not no longer a victim. Um, and we see more and more of that. Every time bad stuff happens and every time gun control is talked about too, we see more of those people get motivated. And I think you'll see more and more of that. So now the, the shift in strategy is that Moms Demand Action is saying, instead of trying to push Congress to pass laws, why don't we just run for Congress? So what do you think about this, Rob? <laughs> Great. The, in a lot of cases, they're going to assure the other um, party is going to win. Um, unfortunately, they're going to find the same thing out that once people start listening to their um, what they're asking, you know, we want more gun control. We want this or that. And somebody says, well, how's that going to fix anything? They're going to fall apart like all the other uh, legislatures or uh, politicians have when they reach the legislature. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they'll get in office too, and they'll find out very quickly when they start getting some real pressure from their constituents that say, we don't want this. They'll find out what it's like being, I think, in that position. Well, we um, want to be able to defend, defend ourselves. We are our first, our own self uh, first responders. You know, police and fire do a great job, but they're a phone call away. If something happens in 30 seconds, you've got to know what to do, or else uh, you're going all what you're going to be is a victim waiting for 911 to show up. Yep. 
Let's turn now to some news uh, from the entertainment scene. Singer Cheryl Crow, been around a long time. And this is on theguardian.com. And uh, I'll go ahead and pull this one back up. Cheryl Crow criticizes country stars for not taking a stand on gun control. So, yeah, we know we had this uh, Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas shooting uh, at a concert. It's primarily, you know, a, a, a country music oriented venue and concert. Um, and she's saying, how dare you, you know, for not taking a stand against or on gun control uh, after something like that happened. You know, quoting her right here, she says, uh, you would think after Vegas, we could see some, we would see some leadership from our country community. But all I can say about that is if there's money involved and fear, these conversations come to a screeching halt. There's no one that I know of in the popular country world that is willing to step out and really take a stand on this. And that's really unfortunate. I hope there will be people who find a way out of their fear, who stick up for humanity as opposed to sticking with their fan base or the money that can come along with having those large crowds. Now, well, I think they took a stand, didn't they? <laughs> I think they're for guns overall, <laughs> and they understand that it, you, you can protect yourself with a gun. You can't stop the bad guys all the time. Yeah, and you have seen some country stars come out and say and reiterate their their support for the Second Amendment and people's individual rights uh, to defend themselves and to carry a gun. Uh, we did see, I think it was uh, Tom McGraw, or Tim McGraw, excuse me, did I say Tom? Tim McGraw. <laughs> Tim McGraw. And Faith, yeah. And Faith Hill that, that kind of came out and you know said, it's time for us to do something. I'd be curious to see, you know, what the response, uh, I haven't really heard a whole lot since I first heard that story, but I'd be curious if they see a little, you know, dip in their popularity or, or those that uh, attend their concerts or, uh, or whatever. But we have seen other country stars come out and, and like I said, stand up and say, uh, we get it. Uh, gun control would not have necessarily stopped or prevented this this terrible thing from happening. So, you know, and, and the other thing too, I think, uh, Rob is it's kind of like with the whole NFL situation this year, the, you know, fo- professional mm-hmm. football and and the the national anthem uh, protests and whatnot. Uh, my opinion all, all along has been like, hey guys, you guys are football players. Let's just play football. Like I came to watch football and like. I'm a big, big, big time football fan. Since this all started to become an issue, I've sort of tuned out. They're in the entertainment industry, and that's where they need to understand that. And, you know, if we want to listen to somebody's stump speeches on their politics, we go to a political rally. We don't think of going to to a football game to hear political statements or going to country concerts or any of the con- any concerts to hear people's uh you know political uh statements and everything because i think country music or all music uh all sports cuts across a lot of uh political lines and if they start drawing lines i think they are going to see a dip in their popularity because people are going to say if you're supporting that i.e what the nfl's been seeing i don't need to watch you anymore I'll go find something else to do, you know, on Sunday afternoons, on Sunday nights, than uh, you know, spend spend time in front of the TV. And they're they've seen a dip. They have. I think uh, overall, the average uh, amount down the ratings are. It's not coming out very smoothly today, guys. Sorry. the The, the ratings are down an average, I think, of nine percent from last year overall. And there's been some events like Sunday Night Football that's been down like thirteen or fifteen percent. 
take that on a billion dollar brand and figure out what that is. That's a lot of, uh, a lot of money in somebody's pockets. That's not there anymore. Now I get that Sheryl Crow on one hand is saying, you know, stop just being in it for the money guys, you know, you know, take a stand, be brave, be, you know, be above the money and, and take a stance on something you truly believe in. And there probably are country stars that maybe do believe in gun control, especially after the Las Vegas thing, but are afraid to, to take that issue on because of what it might mean financially for them, that there probably are some out there. And I get what she's saying here, but at the end of the day, that's not what we want to hear. And mm-hmm. and you will go away if you stop doing what entertains us. Mm-hmm. Well, think I'm, I think how many other hot topics are out there that the musicians could weigh in on national health care, you know, the, the war against terrorism, drug control. I mean, you go along and think about it. You go to a concert to, to listen to them. You don't want to sit there and have them say, oh, by the way, today I want you to go out and support this candidate or support, call your, call your congressman and support this legislation, different things like that. It'd be like, well, I'm here to listen to you. I'm not here to sit there and have you tell me what to do. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys uh, listening or viewing on Facebook think about this? Uh, uh, are you for, I mean, I, I mean, do you, I, I've listened to a lot of Cheryl Crow songs for the years. She's a pretty good performer. She's a good singer. Um, would you rather see these entertainers butt out of this type of issue or, uh, or do you not have a problem with, with what their opinions are on political issues? So feel free to drop your comments in Facebook here. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll take those comments. Uh, let's see here. So let's go now to another story. And this one, speaking of the Sutherland Springs, Texas shooting, this is a follow-up to that whole situation. And, and once again, a very unfortunate situation. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. Okay. I think that worked. Sorry, I'm trying to share my screen again, and it's acting funny there. So let me know if that doesn't pop up for you, Rob. Um, Sutherland Springs family sues outdoors store where church shooter purchased gun. So a family that lost three members of their family in the Sutherland Springs. Oh, yeah, we got an issue here. It's, yeah, it's funny. We're, we're not seeing uh, the screen pop up, Riley. I knew something was acting funny that time. I was like... <laughs> That's not sharing like it doesn't look like it normally does when I'm trying to share that. Let's let's see if we can get that one more time here. Uh, there we go. I have no idea what that was. It just popped up. That was pretty funny. Okay, hopefully you're seeing it now. A family that lost three members in the Sutherland Springs massacre has filed a lawsuit against the store where the shooter purchased weapons, according to documents obtained by mysa.com. This is a San Antonio uh, publication or website, mysanantonio.com. The Ward and Looking Bill family is seeking $25 million in damages after they say Academy Sports and Outdoors failed to follow the law when selling an assault rifle to Devin Patrick Kelly, who killed 26 people on November 5th in the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs. In 2016, Kelly purchased a Ruger AR, uh, I think it's supposed to be a 556 rifle. At the yeah, Academy. 556. Should yeah, be. The article here has listed AR 566. Uh, at an academy store in San Antonio and later used to gun down the church congregation. So they're basically saying, if you look down a little bit further here, the looking bills, Joanne's parents or Joan's parents and her husband, Chris claim Academy should not have sold the rifle to Kelly because the shooter listed his Colorado Springs address on a firearm record form. Hmm. I'm not sure where about not following the law that applies 
Yeah, long arms you're you're able to buy on the neighboring states. So I'm not sure where they where they think that applies. Well, neighbor. So Colorado isn't exactly a neighbor. Is it neighboring states? I thought it depended on the state. Well, it depends on the state law if they've got laws against you buying things out of state. But the 4473 is based on any adjoining state to your home state, mm-hmm. even if it's just a sliver. Gotcha. So, I mean, because I, I swear, I, I, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I could have sworn that a number of years ago I bought a rifle in a state that was not necessarily adjoining to the state I was residing in at the time. Um, and I remember looking at a at a at a uh, graphic showing, hey, if you're in any of these states, you can buy a long gun. Maybe that was just for that particular state. I don't know. Uh, but uh, so they don't, they actually they actually don't give us a lot of detail on this one as far as saying exactly what law it is uh, that uh, this gun store uh, Academy Sports uh, did not follow when allowing this firearm purchase. So I don't know about that exactly, but I, you know, I, they're going after the place that sold the weapon when we already know that there's a much greater failure on the part of the United States Air Force. Unfortunately, somewhere there, there was a failure to report a conviction that Kelly had in 2012 for spousal and child abuse. And we talked about that on the podcast before. This was not just he shoved his wife around. Yeah. And he slapped his child in the face. It was it was really sick, bad stuff, especially what he was doing to his child. Uh, so the failure on, on the Air Force's part to report that, yeah, that was a big deal. And we know that there's already another lawsuit in, in, in the works uh, against the United States Air Force for that failure. That I can kind of understand. What do you think, though, about suing the store that, that sold this rifle? They're They're going for deep pockets, get as many people as possible in the lawsuit, and they will either cash out at some point because the legal fees are costing them too much or, um, or give them, you know, something, you know, that they want. They're, they're trying to see what's, what'll stick against the wall, against the wall, uh, per se. But it's uh, kind of unfortunate because everything I've heard Academy sports hasn't done anything wrong. It was the, uh, Nick system that didn't have the, uh, Air Force conviction in it that was the source of the problem that allowed him to go out and purchase um, those that rifle. Yeah, yeah. Now, once again, it, it reminds me of Sandy Hook. It's like it hurts. It hurts just thinking about it. You know, this was a terrible thing that happened. It shouldn't have happened. There were failures. We know about that. I won't totally. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to judge this family for doing what they're doing. Uh, some of the, you know, some, some of this family's family members were, were killed. Some are still recovering. You know, they have serious wounds. Uh, a five-year-old uh, child that, uh, his arm was almost amputated, uh, other extensive injuries. I mean, these are, these are sad, terrible things that occurred. I understand, but I'm just not sure where it helps by going after businesses that aren't they're not in the business of trying to break the law. They're in the business of being in business. And, uh, well, we'll see how this one sorts out. I've seen other similar lawsuits like this. I'm, I'm sure you have as well, Rob, where it just gets thrown out of court or maybe the, maybe the store will settle with them. You know, and, then, and that's probably ultimately the hope. I think in most cases they realize there's a 
probably a greater chance of it settling out of court as opposed to ever, um, you know, getting to the courtroom where, where the, the uh, business is going to fight it and fight it and fight it and spend a lot of money doing that. They'd just rather be done with it. Exactly. So um, let's turn out to North Dakota. Uh, this story here is telling us that lo- loaded guns may now be carried in vehicles under new law. And this is a clarification from the attorney general of the state of North Dakota. Uh, attorney general Wayne Stenjum, Stenjum, Stenjum. I think that's, <laughs> they had to put in the pronunciation in the, in, in the article right there for us. It says a loaded gun may be stored in a vehicle, but proper identification must be revealed to law enforcement during a traffic stop. Uh, Stenjum says that a written opinion issued Thursday that, that a valid state driver's license or other proper identification is the equivalent of a valid concealed weapons license under North Dakota's so-called constitutional carry law. The law took effect in August, allows law-abiding adults to forego background checks and classes. Mandan Republican uh, Representative Todd Porter and some other GOP lawmakers asked for the opinion after some law enforcement prosecutors raised questions if it was legal to have a loaded weapon in a vehicle without a permit. All hopefully right. the hopefully the the uh, firearm is uh, properly um, holstered and such, and that you know they they're just not you know flying around on the floorboard or other places like that. The one thing right. that comes comes to my mind is uh, hunting rifles and hunting shotguns. I mean, yeah, you can throw them in the car, but uh, it's very possible for them to go off if uh, other things are on top of them either why as you're driving things slide around if they're not properly cased so it's might be illegal but there's still uh, maybe some smarter ways of uh, carrying things if it's not uh, on your person or you know properly racked right yeah i mean certainly i think in the case of a handgun uh and and that's that's where you know i didn't i hadn't even really thought about rifles or shotguns in the context of, of what this is saying here, because it does say loaded gun. It doesn't specify handgun or whatever. It's just loaded gun. Uh, I was thinking all handguns is like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, like in, in Colorado here, we're probably a little bit unique because we're, we're, we almost have like a pseudo constitutional carry law, you know, in that, you know, most states that pass constitutional carry pass in such a way where you don't need a permit to carry concealed uh, period. Right. Uh, in Colorado, we don't have a, you know, blanket constitutional carry law, but we do have that, at least in the case of in a vehicle, because it basically says that in Colorado, you can carry concealed in a vehicle uh, without a permit uh, in, a, in, a, in a private means of transportation. Uh, you can carry without a permit. Uh that I think is specific to handguns uh, or, or guns that you would, you know, carry on your person. But uh, yeah, so this, this is, you know, I, I see stuff like this and I just kind of chuckle cause I'm like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like I forget that, you know, in Colorado here, it's just not that big of a deal. It does say though that it clarified that proper identification must be revealed to law enforcement during a traffic stop. And it's hard for me to totally stay on top of what states require you to notify law enforcement during a traffic stop if you're armed or what states don't. Um, but it sounds like North Dakota is that way. I believe Ohio is that way as well. Is that right? Uh, Ohio is currently, we're trying to change that uh, currently. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah Ohio is a notification state currently. And we've got a new story coming up here about actually next, it's next on the docket here about some bills that are proposed in Ohio uh, where one of those addresses that very thing. 
So we'll, we'll go ahead and turn now to that. Uh, hey, good to see that we get some clarification in North Dakota for those folks up there constitutional carrying. So <clears throat> this one is on the Ohioans for concealed carry.org. So that's ohioccw.org website. I'm sure this is one that you're very familiar with, Rob, I would guess. Member of the organization there, know a few of the people run it. Yep. And so this is a, a, a statement here showing, hey, we've got SB 180, SB 234, HB 142, and HB 228 all basically going before various committees. Uh, and we'd like to see these get passed through, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So that's quite a few bills. And it doesn't, a few of these, it mentions what they entail somewhat. But you know, I went ahead and opened up all the links for, for these different bills. Uh, so we got Senate Bill 180, and I'll let you give us some more explanation on this because I'm sure you're following this quite closely. Uh, and it says here that 180 would uh, re- repeal sec- certain sections of the revised code to assign the prosecution of the burden of disproving a self-defense or related claim to expand the locations at which a person has no, du- to, no duty to retreat before using force under both civil and criminal law and to modify the concealed handgun licensing law regarding a licensee's duty to keep the licensee's hands in plain sight. That's something I don't know anything about. Uh, penalties for illegally carrying a concealed firearm or improperly handling firearms in a motor vehicle and the posting of warning signs regarding the possession of weapons on specified premises. It's quite a mouthful there. One thing that, well, a couple things stood out to me, but one that really stands out to me is assigning the, to the prosecution the burden uh, disproving a self-defense or related claim. And that's a big one. Explain to us what that means, Rob. Um, it's, it's very unique to Ohio, but normally when we think about going to the court of law, the prosecution has to prove something beyond a shadow of doubt. So 51% have, you have to be sure that, uh, or the prosecutor has to prove something 51% that you're guilty of, you know, assaulting somebody, um, you know, shooting them, something like that, that you had no, no other way. That's in 49 of the 50 states. In Ohio, it's unique in that you, from a defendant perspective, have to show um, beyond a reasonable doubt, 51%, that what you did was legally self-defense. And what they're trying to do is to bring Ohio in line with the rest of the states in, in showing or put the burden on the prosecutor versus putting the burden on the uh, defense, which uh, yeah. it's a very unique thing. I know Andrew Bronca, every time he comes to Ohio or talks about that, um, he always points out Ohio being um, kind of old school. As most states have had it that way for well over 20 years, Ohio is uh, doing its job and catching up and hopefully that will pass. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, what do you think the chances are of, of this bill passing? Um, we're, pushing the uh, state legislatures to make the uh, make the changes there's a couple other bills that um, that we're also trying to push and doing things uh, one of which is the notification um, and stand your ground and those those are the ones we're trying to get all three of these together or push push them together and it's going to be kind of a uh, coin toss to, uh, from what I hear as far as uh, which one will go um, it'll just We'll, we'll see if we can get it earlier before the election process starts in later, later next year. Yeah. Yeah. This is huge. I mean, what, what you're describing there, Rob, by the way, uh, folks that might be familiar, or maybe you've heard these terms before, but in most States, if you use deadly force in self-defense and you 
claim that you did that under self-defense, okay, under most states' self-defense laws, uh, there's a term what's called preponderance of the evidence. And basically what it's saying is that uh, preponderance of the evidence is, is what you're describing, Rob. It, it, it's whatever side can say, yep, I got just a little bit more evidence that suggests this was self-defense or the prosecution can I just have a little, I have a little bit more evidence that shows that, no, this was not self-defense. Uh, that's basically how Ohio works where it comes to self, you know, self-defense cases. Is that right? Yes. You were explaining, it's- right? And in most other states, you got to have, you got to the prosecution has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt which is a much, much higher standard uh, to disprove those self-defense claims. And that, that's, that's the significance here. That's a big deal for Ohioans, and I hope that can get, get passed through. Yeah, uh, we really hope because, like I said, you're, you're trying to defend yourself, um, and you've got to, you got to try to make a 51% threshold, and if it comes down to you're only 49% or 50% of it, you could potentially lose that case in court. And that's where we're trying to bring in line with the rest of the states. Yep. Hey, uh, real quick, folks. Uh, sorry, it's been a while since I checked in with uh, those of you on Facebook. Uh, we've got Robert just checking in, catching the uh, live feed. That's great to have you, Robert. Brian from Northern Illinois on the Wisconsin border. Uh, so you must not be too far from uh, uh, like Milwaukee area there, I would guess, uh, which Jacob and I were there not too long ago, attending the... NRA Carry Guard Expo. Uh, I sometimes wondered about making a quick jaunt into Illinois just for kicks and giggles, but <laughs> wasn't sure I wanted to risk it. Uh, <laughs> Paul uh, says, live free or die. Paul from New Hampshire, uh, NH. No permit required and always had open carry. Do not need to notify a stop. Yeah, I, I believe that's true. Um, Brian says, yeah, he's about 40 miles from Milwaukee. Aaron checking in from Springboro, Ohio. We got a bunch of folks checking in from Ohio yeah. today. Just north of Cincinnati there. Yeah. Around so, Dayton. so these, these, uh, bills that we're talking about right now, in fact, let me share my screen. Uh, let's see here. Get, see if that'll work. Hopefully you're seeing the Ohio legislature, 132nd general assembly page. And so this is that Senate Bill 180. A lot, a lot of stuff in the Senate Bill 180. We hope that that'll get passed. Uh, next one that was uh, being talked about on this uh, Ohioans for Concealed Carry page is the Senate Bill 234. And this amends revised code regarding a tenant of subsidized rental premises, owning, using, or possessing a firearm, a firearm component or ammunition within the tenant's residential dwelling unit. I think specifically, uh, Rob, and I'll let you elaborate on this, that this is dealing with typically lower income residents that are forced to, you know, they, they have to basically live in subsidized housing. And a lot of times those subsidized housing units will say no guns. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that that's not cool because like, what else am I supposed to do? I've got a second amendment, but but this is the only place I can afford to live. So this, this is supposed to fix that. And you're not in the greatest native neighborhoods either. So you go along and, you know, how do you defend yourself? You know, you, and that's where we'd like to see that, that passed also. So that people, even in low income, they have the choice to go along and be able to defend themselves um, in those situations. And uh, that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another good one. Let's go now to House Bill 142, uh, which amends sections of the revised code to modify the requirement that a concealed handgun licensee notify a law enforcement officer that the licensee is carrying a concealed handgun when stopped. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we talked on that a little bit already where 
presently you have to notify law enforcement and this bill would change so you don't have to notify. And actually last podcast I was on Riley, we talked about this one too. But, oh, that's you know, right. <laughs> it's I'm 110% um, behind going along, making sure that you put the officer at ease, let him know if you're carrying different things like that. The biggest challenge and where people go along and say that they should notify the, they need to have it in law. It's a, if you carry your gun, like you carry your keys, a pocket knife or your wallet it just becomes part of you. If somebody walks up to you, first thing in your mind is not going to be to go along and tell them, hey, I got my keys in my pocket, my, my money's in my other pocket, my wallet's in my back pocket. Your gun turns the same way and people could end up, um, and they have gotten prosecuted simply because they, in the first 10 seconds, did not notify the police officer properly. Um, again, I promote notify yeah. the police officer, but at the same time, um, don't make it to where they're going to have a mark on their record for their entire life because they forgot to tell them um, with, if they touch it, if they pull it out, do anything else like that, it's a whole nother law they're breaking. But at the same time, don't make it. If somebody has an absentee, has a bad day and forgets to tell them, um, make it even that much worse for them. That's right. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that. I mean, I, I advocate telling law enforcement that you're, you're caring if you are, in fact, uh, I've, been on record. Jacob and I just disagree. We, we agree on a lot of things, but this is one area where we disagree heavily on uh, how to do this. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's wise to, I think, get in the mode or the habit of displaying your driver's license as well as your concealed handgun permit or license anytime you get stopped. Um, not necessarily saying anything, just just simply display the, the permit and, and your driver's license and, of course, your registration insurance and all that. And the reason I actually will suggest that you volunteer that information all the time is because of states like Ohio and Nebraska and North Dakota, and there's a bunch of other states where you have to notify law enforcement. I don't have to in Colorado. I don't have to in Utah. I don't have to in Idaho and Wyoming and these other states that I spend a lot of time in. And it would be very easy for me to not understand that that's the, that the, that that is the law in a lot of these other states. And so I think it's wise to just make sure you always do that. Um, plus, I've had wonderful, very positive experiences with law enforcement officers. Not that I make a habit of getting pulled over that often. I've been a passenger before when a, a driver that was a concealed carrier, and I was as well, where we got pulled over. Uh, and and we had a very positive experience uh, with that officer by you know the way we handled that and the way that was disclosed to the officer, which was very much in the manner that I just described to you. So it's a good practice I don't like the idea when we have laws that to me are like catch you, you know, or gotcha laws. It's like, oh, you forgot. You had a bad day, like you said, Rob, and you failed to disclose. And now you're, you know, facing, I don't know what, what, it's probably a misdemeanor charge, but still, that's not cool. You, you lose your license over it. Yeah. And then, you know, it's normally it's six months, you lose it, and then you get to go back and they get to decide whether or not it's there job you know if you apply for a job or or different things like that that could jeopardize your uh, employment also so i mean there's a lot of downstream uh, impacts and sure. as i always go along and tell my students anything you can do to make the officer more comfortable um, with your stop you know turning on the dome light keeping your hands on the steering wheel just simple things like that puts the officer so much more in ease if you go if he goes along and sees a dark car figures jumping all around inside the car Radar is going to go up and all of a sudden it's going to turn into a bad situation. That's where uh, we don't want to have bad situation when it comes to law enforcement. They're just trying to do their job. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. And and by the way, when you do that, follow whatever instructions you're given exactly to the letter, to the T, you know, like, yeah, that whole Philando Castile thing, you know, and I know that's a very controversial one, but you had one, you had an officer telling him, stop, stop, don't reach, you know, and he continued to do that. I, I, I recommend to my students is if I'm told to go along and, you know, pull my wallet out, tell the officer, I'm going to go and pull my wallet out. So that if there's any question to where he's like, I said, don't pull your wallet out. He's heard you repeat it. They've got body cams. They got microphones. Guess what? Mm -hmm. All that gets recorded. If anything happens, it's like, wait a minute. I repeat it right to you. And you said yes. And it it makes a very positive uh, communication going back and forth. Now, you you might still get the get the ticket and everything else like that, but at least you're not going to have a bad situation like Philando Castile, where there was some miscommunication. Really wise advice there. And, and anytime you have any sort of confusion whatsoever about instructions that are given, because sometimes, frankly, officers make mistakes and they may even issue conflicting or confusing commands that's happened. And, you know, perhaps they should be held accountable for, for those mistakes, and, and they frequently are. But still, if you have any sort of confusion, ask. Well, yeah, you got Officer A and Officer B say, wait a minute, one's telling me to get out and the other one's telling me to give me a wallet. What do you want me to do? Just yep. freeze and let them sort it out. Um, if that's you're right. moving, you know, the radar's going up and that's where uh, you don't want to have their radar up. You just want them to take your license, give you the ticket and have a good yep. day. Yeah, good stuff. House Bill 228, uh, this one is the uh, House version of that Senate Bill 180 that we already talked about. So in case you're wondering what that was. So it's four bills that were discussed here on the Ohioans for a concealed carry page. Certainly, we, we know already we got a number of you on the Facebook live feed today uh, from Ohio listening or viewing. So support Ohioans for concealed carry, uh, the organization, and contact your senators and, and representatives uh, at the state level and encourage the passage of these bills through committee. Uh, and we'll hope to follow that through and, and see this, these uh, move forward. Hey, Riley, on yeah. the on the House Bill 228, yeah. one thing that we haven't talked about that is it removes the duty to retreat from it, which, oh. uh, which Ohio is a duty to retreat state. And one of the things I bring up, um, you know, we said it before, if you can avoid a situation, that, that's, that you want that situation. But if in Ohio, if you're in a public space outside your house where Castle Doctrine applies and you don't make a, a, an attempt to retreat, you could be found guilty because you didn't follow the law. Now, that, can, that sounds very simple. You know, we don't want people fighting in the streets. But at the same time, if you go along and somebody's running, running at you with a knife or something, happens and you don't go along and say wait a minute i'm going to try to get out of the way i'm going to move back an aggressive prosecutor could say wait a minute yeah they shot him yeah he was with had a knife but they didn't retreat all of a sudden you go along and say that's 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 a bad shooting and they try to prosecute you you take in the other bill that we just talked about to where you've got to prove 51% that you were in fear for your life and that that was the only way. And all of a sudden you've got this perfect storm to where the, you could potentially go, go off to jail for 10 to 20 years. That's scary. Yeah. That's why we're pushing to try to get these things uh, corrected. Awesome. Uh, thanks for reminding me. I, I, I knew that was a piece of it, but I did, <laughs> I did skip over it. So that's why I got you on the air today to, 
call your keep, senators, call your congressmen, uh, support, ha- ask them to support these bills because um, it doesn't change. Um, you know, you still can't go out and go shooting people in the middle of the street, but it does make it that you as a legal law-abiding citizen, concealed carry holder, is not going to be going along and prosecuted maliciously just because you had to defend yourself or your family. Yep. Awesome. Hey, folks, uh, viewing on Facebook Live, if you have any questions or anything about anything that we've uh, shared or discussed today, drop it in the in the comments section. And also, we'd appreciate it if you uh, shared this uh, post, this Facebook Live post with your friends, and, and uh, hopefully, you know, we educate more people out there about things like this. Let's get now to, you, you, are you ready, Rob, to talk about some justified stories? I'm ready for justified. Okay. <laughs> Let's uh, pull up this first story now then. Uh, this first story is out of Chicago. And the title is, Concealed Carry License Holder Released After He Says He, he Shot Would-Be Robber. This is like an apparent uh, robbery or carjacking scenario. The story goes like this. Chicago police have released a concealed carry license holder who told authorities he fatally shot a would-be robber near a south side target store earlier this week uh, the 27 year old man was taken into custody shortly after the shooting about 8 p.m on thursday officers pulled over the man's nissan as he returned to the scene and he told officers a man walked up to his car in the parking lot and tried to rob him at gunpoint he said he fired his gun after a struggle in the car police found and took into, into evidence two weapons a semi-automatic handgun and a revolver from his car along with spent shell casings a Chicago police spokesman on Saturday said the man was released by area central detectives but without criminal charges, but did not say whether investigators believe the shooting was self-defense. That's interesting. I don't think they would release him if they didn't, or at least, if, I don't, you know, at least if they didn't think it was, there was a chance it was self-defense. Uh, the identity of the 21-year-old man is uh, apparently the, uh, the suspect. Uh, it's not been released. He uh, died from suffering multiple gunshot wounds. So a couple of interesting things from this story, Rob. And I'll let you give your take. Uh, you know, like it was described as as a man came up to this other guy sitting in the Target parking lot in his vehicle with a gun and attempted to rob him. Although it does say that there was a struggle in the car. So it sounds like at least the uh, suspected robber or, or carjacker managed to gain a- a- access to the vehicle. Uh, and that the driver of that vehicle then shot him with uh, a gun. Uh, it appears then also that the driver of that vehicle initially took off and then came back uh, to the scene. And I was thinking about this, and I envisioned this in my mind. I don't, I'm not saying this is what happened, but this is kind of how I envision it, right? You're in the vehicle, you're in the parking lot, some dude approaches, he's got a weapon. Um, maybe, you know, I, I don't know what the situation is exactly, but you open the door, you act as though you're going to, hey, yeah, man, whatever you need or take my car or whatever, but something happens. And regardless, you have a struggle, a fight for, for your life. So you draw, you use your gun, and then you get yourself out of that situation by driving off, at least initially. And then maybe you, you return to that scene immediately uh, once you're confident that it's safe to do so because now maybe you got law enforcement showing up on the scene or something like that. See, like initially I read this and I'm like, oh, he took off and then he, he came back. But I thought maybe that wasn't a bad idea depending on the situation. You know, maybe you're still thinking that dude, yeah, I just shot him, but I got to get out of this out of this area because he could still pose a threat to me. Well, and, uh, I think that guy might, you know, I, I imagine him jumping at when he sees your gun, and you start shooting, he realizes he's picked the wrong car 
jumps up and starts running away, which at that point you're going to take and get out of there too, as quickly as possible, because he has a, he also has a gun. Um, yeah. but he did the right thing and, and it doesn't say whether he or somebody else called nine one one, but hopefully he drove to a safe spot, called nine one one, and maybe they told him to, uh, return because, right. uh, in any other situation, if he just drove off and showed up a half hour later saying, Hey, you know, I had to drop somebody off before I came back. You start looking a lot, a lot more guilty than you do innocent in a situation like that. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, there, it doesn't appear they're going to charge this, this, this driver of the vehicle with anything. Uh, they stopped short of saying it was self-defense, but uh, it seems fairly clear to me uh, based on the limited facts that we have here. So that's a justified story number one. Let's get to story number two. I would go along two. and just add, if you're mm-hmm. sitting around the Target parking lot, lock your doors. <laughs> <laughs> because I suspect, you know, if the guy just came up, tapped the, tapped the window with a gun, I would have hit the gas and gone out, gone out of there. If he, you know, all of a sudden opened the door and sat down in the passenger seat with a gun pointing at me, then you get into a lot more of a tougher situation. For sure. Absolutely. This, this story here is... Uh, I think this has got some good lessons learned uh, as well. Newson6.com posts here. Clerk grabs gun from robber, holds him for officer, Glenpool police say. Glenpool, Oklahoma, near Tulsa. Uh, He tried, a man tried to rob a, apparently this man, if you're viewing on Facebook Live, you should be able to see this video uh, that's playing automatically here. Uh, Pretty rough looking fellow there. (laughs) Uh, Crazy hair, (laughs) crazy eyes. Um, so he tried to rob this Glenpool convenience store Wednesday evening, but the clerk grabbed the gun from him. And then it says that, so this is the suspect, Ezel or Ezel Brown, age 48, entered the store, pointed a gun at the clerk and said he'd kill him if he didn't give Brown the money. The clerk did what he was told. The clerk, Gary Adams, then grabbed the gun and a baseball bat and chased the robber outside where Adams held him until police arrived. I circled, this is quoting uh, Adams, the store clerk. I circled, backtracked around him and kept kept him this way here. And he kept telling me, I've got a gun. I said, if you pull the gun, I'm going to shoot you with the gun that I have of yours. (laughs) So it it makes it seem as though this robber maybe had two guns or he was just trying to bluff. I don't know. Bluffing, I bet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's a a pretty good uh, quote there from this this store clerk. Um, So what I took from this, Rob, is, you got a situation, a typical convenience store robbery, unfortunately happens hundreds of times a day, probably in this country. And, you know, this clerk uh, is able to grab the gun from the robber. Uh, We talk about the importance of tactics as concealed carriers. Uh, You don't want to draw your weapon. And if you're at arm's length or, you know, maybe maybe two arms lengths difference. I mean, if you're in close proximity to your threat, you don't want to fully outstretch that, that arm and that gun right into their face and give mm-hmm. them that opportunity to take that gun. That's what this robber did here. It sounds like. And so what happened? He got his gun taken from him. So I, that's what I took from this, at least initially was, Hey, this is a great example of why you need to be concerned about retention when you're in those close quarters situations. Get the we training just saw- so, you, so you can survive those kind of situations. Yep. Yep. So anything else you observe from this uh, justified story? Well, the one, one thing I would, I would give to the store clerk is he had some um, skill when it came to um, basic hand techniques. He knew how to disarm somebody with a firearm. So, you know, we were talking about, you know, not getting your gun close to somebody where they can take it away. But on the flip side of somebody does get a gun in your face, 
Do you have the skills to be able to go along and point it away from you, twist it out of their hands, and ultimately you know, disarm them? It may not end the, the situation, but it ends the immediate threat that's right literally in your face. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good, good skills to have. Uh, not likely that you should need it, but in the event you did and you find yourself in a situation where a gun takeaway was perhaps the best course of action. It's definitely something you're going to want to know something I've practiced and it's the, the techniques are not necessarily hard, but not, not at all. It, it can be, it, it can be, especially with someone that's skilled hanging onto that gun. This is why I love practicing with my buddies that are, you know, very skilled uh, gun handlers and they're also skilled at takeaways. And that's really good practice when you got two guys kind of sparring against each other and, 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 yeah, that's really good practice. <laughs> yeah, I like to go along when people uh, tell me, hey, I've got my concealed carry. I've taken my advanced concealed carry. You know, what else is there to learn? You know, I know how to shoot shoot and move. And you go along and bring up different things like this of, you know, the open hand skills, knife skills, uh, the first aid skills. Because what we're dealing with or talking about here is not something to where you are uh, necessarily going to come out uninjured. But you want to come out as being the victor um, nonetheless. For sure. Good stuff. Final justified story today is from Concord, North Carolina. Uh, DA says, grandmother who shot, killed man in her pet spa acted in self-defense. I had to share this story because this is a first. A first that I've seen of a self-defense shooting occurring in a pet spa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that, that just, I thought that was kind of fun and interesting. Uh, but this story is kind of bizarre, too. So it says here that the uh, Cabarrus, I don't know how, the, how you pronounce that county name, Cabarrus County District Attorney's Office will not be pursuing charges against the female business owner who shot and killed a man at her pet spa back in November. Uh, the DA said that the business owner, Sarah Shu shot at a man later identified as Deshaun Tatum for forcefully and unlawfully entering her business while her boyfriend and two young grandchildren were inside. The incident happened November 30th at Sarah's Pet Spa on Weinkoff Sport Road in Concord. Uh, Deshaun Tatum was also known as the General in a group called the Yashua Movement. According to the report released by the DA's office, a fight broke out between Tatum and Shu's boyfriend, Christopher Gray. Shu opened fire while on the phone with police. Gray reportedly, so that's a boyfriend, told Tatum to leave the store over a dozen times. Shu told the, the woman, the police, that Tatum left the store after a gun was pulled on him. He's outside again. He's out there screaming. If he comes in, I'm shooting him, Shu told the operator during the 911 call. Be careful about what you say on those calls, by the way. <laughs> Gray said he went to lock the front door of the business and asked Tatum to leave. Tatum responded by yelling, I'm the general from Virginia. Don't you know who you just effed with? Uh, I make one phone call and I'll have an army down here. That's pretty inflammatory language. According to the DA, mm-hmm. Tatum then grabbed Gray and began hitting him in the head. Tatum then dragged Gray towards the front door of the business. Shu said she went on to retrieve her gun and, to, and pointed the gun at Tatum to get him to stop the assault. Shu went on to point the gun at Tatum to stop the assault. Yeah, that was a little bit redundant. Tatum reportedly began walking towards her and said, shoot me repeatedly. Shu then fatally shot him. She obliged. Wow. 
you got to watch what you say sometimes, you know, people <laughs> might, might take it literally. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when, when there's good cause to do so. I mean, so, I mean, this guy just assaulted her boyfriend. Uh, there's a couple little kids in there apparently as well. Uh, so we're concerned about the safety of those kids. We're concerned about the boyfriend concerned with myself, you know, the, the, the lady, the, the, the pet spa owner. And, uh, this guy is not backing down even in the face of, of a gun that's been pulled and pointed at him. Um, what do you, what goes through your mind when you imagine yourself in that position, Rob, and, and how would you envision yourself handling the situation? The thing that goes through is, yeah, how can you, protect you know those those loved ones that are there with you um you know it's probably unlikely that you can say okay that's everybody run to the back door but at the same time this guy from his comments from his actions everything seemed to be very enraged um very um dangerous and when you start looking about um you know the, the use of force you know when he wouldn't stop and he started coming uh, toward her she had a very real real assumption that he was going to beat her just like she he had just beat her uh, boyfriend now no idea what her you know what her boyfriend's size was or if uh, the guy had any special skills uh, but either way he'd already beat one person up female normally is is not as strong as a male and that's those are the situations to where disparate uh, force uh, justifies uh, her shooting of him yeah pretty crazy stuff uh i like I said, it, it's been ruled as self-defense. Uh, it's probably not like your most black and white story of self-defense because it's always that situation where you have an attacker that uh, does not have a, an apparent weapon. We don't see a weapon on him. No weapons mentioned. Uh, he's being very threatening. He's using threatening language. But you know, where do you draw a line, and 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 how do you know that you can go ahead and and potentially use or at least make threat of the use of, of that deadly force. I mean, how do you, how do you justify that? I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm prying to know the, to understand the mind of Mr. Rob Beckman in this regard. What I'll go back to what it was explained to me when I'm, when I'm more in fear for my life than I am for the actions that I'm about to take. Uh, that's the time when I choose to defend my, myself and others. Um, you know, it's just as simple as that. If I go along and it's like, okay, I'm not, you know, the person's not, not as big as I am. So I can probably, you know, beat them back. I'm not worried about it. But if somebody comes to me, you know, multiple attackers, baseball bats, um, knives, guns, things like that, then I'm worried about myself and others. And that's where I'll do what I have to do and then face the consequences later. By the way, give you a little bit more context about, uh, the man that uh, this lady was facing, I just did a search for the Yashua movement. And <laughs> I was going to do that in a little bit too. Here is ahead. the general right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Here's a video a little bit down below. I mean, this here's, a, here's another one, a good one here. Yeah, I might be a little, and, and you definitely know this is the guy, Sean Tatum. That's, uh, I think, you know, he goes by Deshaun, or, or here he's listed as Sean, but in the story listed him as uh, Deshaun. Here we go, General Deshaun Tatum of Yashua the Movement. Um, I don't know what was going on with this dude, but I'd probably be a little bit frightened looking at him as well as he was threatening me and my family. So it, it, here's the important thing with self with the use of uh, of deadly force in self defense is that you've got to be able to 
uh, trying to stop the screen share there. You've got to be able to articulate exactly why you you did you you took the course of action that you chose, right? I mean, correct. You you could point if you're in that situation, and if you can point at and say, well, because he said that he was going to call his army down here and he was going to kill me or whatever, and because he looked pretty dang scary, and I'm just this little old lady, you know, with my grandchildren, and he's beating on my boyfriend, smashing his head in, and he's still coming at me and forcing his way into my store, saying all this crazy stuff, and then I drew my gun because I was scared, and then he, it, you know, a lot in a lot of situations, drawing that gun might, you know, typically is going to de-escalate that situation. Potentially. The same I mean, person would, would draw a conclusion that what you're going to do right after you draw the gun is not going to be good for them. Right. So it's just important that you can articulate the whys in these types of situations, especially where it's not as black and white as, well, he drew a weapon, so I drew my weapon. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, well, especially like in a situation like this, you're in the business and like in the state of Ohio, you, you can't claim um, castle doctrine in your, uh, in, in a business because uh, you can, you're supposed to retreat. And that's one of those situations where you have to articulate, Hey, my boyfriend just got beat up. My grandkids are here. You know, there's no way I'm going to be leaving those people here to whatever this guy's going to do next. That's right. Yep, exactly. A couple of comments here, uh, by the way, I appreciate Patrick checking in from Amarillo, Texas. I love Amarillo, by the way, I was just, just there uh, uh, earlier this year. Raymond uh, says he's watching in Alliance, Ohio. So we got another Ohio uh, another viewer. Ohio. Aaron said or asked a question. This is a good question, Aaron. If that was in Ohio, so referring to this pet spa story, if that was in Ohio, she would have had to retreat, right? No, not if, not if she's got family members there. In Ohio, you're not required to abandon uh, family members. Yeah. So she would, she would be legal there. Although at the same time, are you going to have an aggressive prosecutor come along and charge you or, or put you into the microscope at least to see if something else uh, was wrong? Um, it's, it's hard to say down in the Southern part of Ohio, where we are, our prosecutors are much more um, supportive of self-defense than they are in the Northern part of Ohio. You know, it's same law, but it, they choose pick and choose which cases they, they take um, kind of by the party affiliation uh, both ways, both parts of the state. Yep. Uh, Robert chimes in and says, you just need to read the back of your USCCA card to know what to say. <laughs> Good stuff. You're, you're right, Robert. That, that is a handy thing with uh, the USCCA member uh, card. Mm-hmm. So good stuff there. I got to turn off this face. I still have this Facebook page pulled up and this, this guy is, his face is in my face, just like doing his crazy <laughs> wacky stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I pulled, I pulled that up and yeah, it's uh very, very uh, telling. How's that? <laughs> That's true. So uh, there you go. That wraps up our stories for the podcast today, folks. And uh, for those of you joining us on Facebook, I really appreciate you doing that. Hey, this is fun uh, doing the Facebook live feed. I I hope that it's enjoyable for those of you that have been able to tune in. Uh, And, you know, if, if you still would like us to continue this, let, let me let me know. Also, if you have any other questions about the podcast, uh, topics you'd like us to cover, if you hear about stories that you feel like we should share on the podcast, whatever it is, hit us up at podcast at concealedcarry.com. Shoot us an email, podcast at concealedcarry.com. And uh, 
or you can message us directly through Facebook. You'll probably note that uh, if you're on our Facebook page right now watching this live, uh, we do have a message feature there and you can, you can hit us up that way. Robert says, uh, thanks for the great information in the podcasts. Uh, we're happy to do it, Robert. Edgar says, this is why I, why I love Georgia. We still have all our rights. <laughs> uh, well, that's why uh, in Ohio they're, they're trying to get some of these bills passed that we talked about earlier. So trying try to improve it. Yeah, that's right. And so just a reminder before we let you go, uh, our sponsors today, we appreciate uh, Guardian Nation making it possible to do the podcast and uh, appreciate all of you that are Guardian Nation members, uh, perhaps uh, viewing this as well right now or listening via the uh, podcast audio feed after the fact. Uh, we're so thankful to have you as our Guardian Nation members. I think there's over 500 of you now. It's a good good number of you and, and growing by the day. Uh, so Thank you, Guardian Nation members. Thank you, those of you that support Guardian Nation, which also supports us in turn. Lots of great benefits and reasons to be a member of Guardian Nation. GuardianNation.com is where you can find out more. Also, I got my little little screwdriver and everything here for my Guardian Nation. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, check this out. Here we go. We're we're twinners. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) A little pry bar. This this is, uh, I've used this a number of times. It's a, very simple little little pry bar tool, uh, but I've used yeah, I got, it. I got mine on my desk, and it uh, comes in handy, if nothing else, uh, to, for opening up those uh, bottles of root beer. That's right. <laughs> oh, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't crack it open today, but I, I've got it here. Uh, also, sponsor today was also uh, uh, the Shooters Summit, which I mentioned. Uh, and so just a reminder, shooterssummit.com forward slash Riley. And uh, we've got all these great, I mean, here's some additional ones I didn't mention earlier. Uh, Patrick Kelly, Jeff Gonzalez, BJ Norris, uh, John Dufresne, uh, Hannah Bilodeau. I know, I know Hannah from Six Hour Academy. Great lady. Annette Evans, she writes for us on the concealedcarry.com uh, site. Uh, so she's featured as well in this. Eric Graffel, one of the greatest all-time shooters ever uh, competitively for sure. And, uh, you know, Mike Seeklander, Benny Cooley, Ernest Langdon, John Johnston, Ben Steger. Uh, there's, every, every, there's a ton of great people here. So check out Shooters Summit, shootersummit.com forward slash Riley. Appreciate your support of the Shooter Summit. And I uh, hope you enjoy the little segment I recorded together with Arik Levy over there at Shooter Summit. So with that, we are going to sign off for yet another episode of the podcast, episode number 183. It's hard to believe it's not going to be very long before we hit episode 200. I guess we might have to do something special for episode 200. Maybe a giveaway, maybe, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see what we, what we need to do there for episode 200. Uh, Brian says, as, as parting words here, thanks for a great podcast. Keep that card behind my license. Hoorah. Awesome, Brian. Thanks for chiming in today. So, Robert, appreciate your time for uh, doing this with me today for the Concealed Carry Podcast. I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Sounds good. Anytime you need me, Riley. Awesome, dude. Well, with that, folks, uh, just a reminder to uh, stay safe. And uh, the little saying we've been doing now for a number of episodes of the podcast, uh, and actually it appears on our – here we go. I'll pull this out. I know this will get you excited, Rob, because it's something you're, we're getting closer and closer to rolling out uh, in a much larger, yeah, this is the Guardian Essentials (laughs) Pistol Challenge coin. Those of you that uh, attend, we've had, I don't know how many now, but a couple, maybe a couple dozen now, uh, people that have come through the Guardian Essentials Pistol course out here in Colorado, 
we're getting ready to roll this out nationwide to a lot of our instructors in our network. And uh, right on there on the coin, it says train right, train off and train safe. So you can fight hard, fight fast and fight true. So with that, take care, everyone. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws. But things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.